Welcome back to Kids Under Construction. I'm Donna Tatro. As we continue to live life with COVID-19, we are all on our devices at an unprecedented rate. There's really no getting around it, and our kids' screen time is through the roof. Don't feel badly, though. This is a moment in time. Being flexible now with screen time is okay, but we still have to protect our kids from dangers on the internet. We recorded this show before COVID-19. It's called The Porn Talk is the New Sex Talk. It's really important for parents to educate themselves about this dangerous trend. Look, you can't control their every move, nor can you control where they wander on the internet. Porn is out there, and it's likely your kid will find it. So how do you react when you find out your kid's been watching porn? It's an awkward conversation, but a necessary one. Please listen in. Before we get Gail on the line, I want to share some shocking statistics. Now listen to this. Every second, every second, 30,000 people are watching pornography on the internet. That's crazy. Every day, 40 million American people regularly visit porn sites. That's every day. And now to our kids, a third of kids have seen porn by age 12. So what are the effects of kids and teens and porn? Well, the odds of teenage pregnancy go up. There's an increase in depression. And kids are already self-conscious enough about their bodies. And then you add unrealistic images of porn. This leads to low self-esteem. It creates distorted expectations, which hinder healthy sexual development. Young porn addicts grow up to be married porn addicts. Now, I had the pleasure of hearing Gail Dine speak to parents at a local L.A. school, and she had the entire parent group not only in shock, but ready and determined to go to battle against the porn industry, me included. She woke us up, and she is here to help us learn and protect our kids. She is a specialist in the study of pornography and is a professor of sociology and women's studies at Wheelock College in Boston. Described in 2010 as the world's leading anti-pornography campaigner, she is a founding member of Stop Porn Culture and founder of Culture Reframed, created to address pornography as a public health crisis. Dines is co-author of Pornography, the Production and Consumption of Inequality, and author of Pornland, How Porn Has Hijacked Our Sexuality. Thank you so much, Gail, for speaking to me and helping parents here at Kids Under Construction. Gail, this is an epidemic. Tell us, how is this happening? Well, I think to understand what's really happened, you have to understand the change in technology. And specifically around 2000, when the internet became domesticated. And what happened is that the porn industry helped drive the internet. It wasn't accidental. And they kind of took over the internet And more affordable, accessible and anonymous porn becomes, the more you increase actual users. So what happened is that suddenly you get on the Internet, watch any meat porn anywhere. And at that point in 2000, you could watch like small clips for free. Today, you can watch entire movies for free. But really what we've seen now is that as kids have gotten First uh, computers, then laptops, and now the cell phone, which has changed everything. That alongside the fact that in 2007, a company that was then called Manwin, 
which is now called MindGeek, developed the free porn business model. So, of course, you have this perfect storm of kids, boys especially, going through puberty, interested in sex, hormones raging, have very little sex education. And really, they're just a few words, 10 seconds away, if not five, from the most hardcore porn on Pornhub. If they type in porn or boobies or whatever they type in, they are catapulted into a world of hardcore porn. And that's basically the only porn that really exists on the free porn sites, which is where the kids go. And what this really is doing is changing their sexuality. And it's really, it's traumatizing our boys and then our girls are becoming collateral damage. Can you talk to that? Yes, because when you think of the, you know, in the average age of first viewing porn, depending on what study you're looking at, is anything from eight to 11. And a lot of the time it's, um, they're not looking for it. It's coming at them through uh, social platforms such as um, Instagram or Snapchat. So what's happening is that boys are developing their sexual template around hardcore porn at a very critical age when their brain is developing. So it's really to think about the developmental level of where boys are at between the ages of, say, 8 to 12 to 13. Now, when you develop your sexual template around hardcore porn at that age, you're really beginning to cement into them a desire for hardcore, violent, misogynist imagery. And then when they start becoming sexual, they're going to play this out on the girls. But I want to go back to the idea of the boys being traumatized, because this is very important, because we don't often talk about this. These boys do not expect to be catapulted into a world of sexual violence. Their hope in the beginning is maybe they're going to see a pair of breasts, Maybe they're going to see some sex. They do not anticipate the violence that they are going to be watching. And as they're masturbating to that violence and as they're being told this is what they want, because often the clips come with, are you man enough for this? Or we know what you want. Can you imagine what they feel like, that they're aroused to images of really sexual torture? They must feel such self-loathing. They must think they're the most disgusting people on earth, that this is what I want. In fact, they don't want this. And what you're doing is you're giving them a toxic stew in their stomach of anxiety, self-loathing, fear, and really traumatizing them. And what we know about trauma is that if you don't deal with a trauma, that happens to you, you then tend to do reenactment. And so if you're traumatized by looking at pornography, the reenactment of that trauma will be going back to more porn. So actually built into the business model of the porn industry is the traumatization of boys so that they keep going back to it so that they become addicts. So that eventually when they get their credit card, they go to the paid porn sites because the name of the game here is turning free porn into actual monetized traffic. And this is a multi-billion dollar industry that parents are up against. I mean, one of the stats we talked about was a third of kids have seen porn by age 12. That's unfathomable to me. It's probably actually higher now, I would say. I mean, Pornhub's latest statistics is they went from 33 billion visits in 2018 to 42 billion visits. They increased that much in one year. So you, this is now a global issue. This isn't just in the United States. This is a global, it's a, it's a crisis. Basically, we call pornography the public health crisis 
of the digital age. And at Culture Reframed, we build programs to help parents build resilience and resistance in their kids to porn. Because at the moment, no politician or anyone is willing to take this global industry on that is above ground, that interfaces with global capitalist organizations like venture capitalists, banks, credit cards. They're just basically allowing the porn industry to lay waste to our kids and the impact is going to be told because when you lay waste to boys, you lay waste to girls. And when you lay waste to boys and to girls, you basically lay waste to the culture. And Gail, you know, I've got two boys, 11 and 12 years old, and they don't have a smartphone. And we know kids, they're friends who have been exposed to porn. And it's like, what do you do? You're you're a parent and you're supposed to have this regular sex talk, but really this is now a the porn talk, and you have to have it, is what you're saying at Culture Reframed. Absolutely. And you have to start early. And we have two programs now. And the first one that is online at this moment is for parents of tweens. That's around nine to 12, where we actually teach parents how to build resilience and resistance, how to have these bold conversations with their kids about porn. Um, in a month, our program for parents of teens will be going online, which does the same thing about how to build resilience and resistance in teens. You can, And it's not one conversation. You don't have one porn conversation. It's got to be ongoing. And you've also got to be very careful how you do it. We even set the stage in um, Culture Reframe to show you how to do the conversation. Because remember, your kid would rather be anywhere in the world than talking to you about pornography. Right, right. So you have sure. to be very careful how you do it. We suggest, like, for example, with boys, especially, you do it in places like the car, so you're not looking eye to eye when you are biking or hiking or something where they're not looking you in the face. We also script out conversations. And the reason we script them out is when I was in LA, I was at a school and I was talking to parents and I said, you know, we're about to go live with our uh, Parents of Tweens program and we're going to have bulleted out conversation points for you with your kids. And literally they all jumped out of their chair and they said, don't bullet them, write them down, tell us what to say, word for word, we don't know what to do. I mean, parents feel overwhelmed. They really do. And the real problem is when the kid eventually gets a cell phone. Because if you thought you had any power prior to that, that's when you lose it all. And you basically hand the culture over to your kid, which is actually, as a parent, your job. Your job is to socialize your kid into the culture so that when you're not around, your kid can manage the culture, survive, and become a flourishing adult. What happens when the culture becomes toxic? Okay, so then what do I do? I've got my kid who says, I'm going to be in middle school next year. Can I have a phone? What do you say? Well, if you go on the Culture Reframed website, we actually have a phone contract that you and your kid discuss and explain and that you both have to sign. And actually, it's a very much a teachable moment. It's quite long. There's a lot of discussion points. And then we say, you know, your kid will break that contract. There's no question. That's that's the job description of a kid. But we say, don't take the phone away. Use it as a teachable moment to revisit the contract. And don't see your kid as someone to be battling. The truth is your kid is the target of the porn industry. You as a parent have had your capacity to parent be completely reduced by the porn industry. So you really have to think of yourself as both partnering and parenting your kid 
against the porn industry. And you have to do this in a way that is non-authoritarian, that you understand that the kid is in an impossible situation because all their friends are looking at this. So one of the things I would say is, first of all, go to the Culture Reframed website, pull on all of our resources that are up there, which, and the program, by the way, took a year and a half to build. And it was built by pediatricians, adolescent psychologists, sex educators, health educators, teachers. It was a multidisciplinary program specifically geared towards parents i would say go on there and i would also say that you must insist that the school starts talking about this because your kid exists in a peer group usually they're friends within school and they cannot leave it up to individual parents to deal with what is a public health issue it's like saying to an individual parent your kid shouldn't be breathing polluted air you go and deal with it. It's ridiculous. You can't. You need to have a community around you supporting you. And the school is the obvious place to have a community. When I heard you speak, I said, I am definitely going to be doing this with my two boys for sure. We have already started talking. I feel like you're a lifesaver, to be honest, because I would not know how to deal with this. There's a ton of information up there. There's embedded videos. I mean, we are giving you the toolkit, the confidence, the knowledge you need. We're also saying that you need to get other parents together. So I'll give you an example. There's groups forming, we found, that is of parents. And instead of being a book club, they're actually a culture reframe program club. And they're going through the program together. They're all from the same school. They have a potluck. And then they're sort of pushing the school to bring in what we call critical porn education. Because there are some people doing porn education who argue that schools need to teach kids how to use porn responsibly. That's like teaching a kid how to smoke responsibly. You can't. Right. right? It's ridiculous. We believe that kids should not be exposed to pornography. You cannot do this to a kid. It is violence against those kids. It's also, by the way, violence against the parents because, you know, I am the mother of a son. When you think of all that love and all that energy that we pour into our kids to make them the best that they can be, to help turn them into robust, healthy adults, how dare the porn industry come in and basically rob us of our capacity to parent our kids? And that's what they're doing. So we have to see the porn industry as our enemies, not our kids who are looking at porn. We have to put the blame squarely where it belongs on the porn industry and, by the way, on most adults who are charged with taking care of kids and who have ignored this issue. Where are the sex educators? Where is the American Academy of Pediatrics? Where is the CDC? Where are all of these people whose job it is to bring up healthy, robust kids who are professionals and parts of major organizations? Where are they? Their silence is deafening, and it took a small nonprofit, you know, going out, begging for money, which thankfully we did get, to build the first ever program in the world for parents so that we could teach parents how to do this. Why were, this, why were other organizations much larger than ours not out there doing this? We're so grateful that you have provided this education because it, it's a true education that we really all need. We made a decision that all parents, irrespective of income, should have access to our program. So we really made an important decision to make it free. It is being used, by the way, all over the world, in Brazil, in um, Sweden, in England, in Israel. But we want people all over to use this. And it is free. So we do say 
if you're willing and happy to make a donation, please do, because we want parents who can't afford this to have access to it, which is, again, why we do not charge for it. And it's also downloadable so that you can give it in your schools, you can give it in your churches, your synagogues, in your community centres. We have done as much as we can to turn this not just into a programme, but into a movement and to furnish all the teachers and the parents and the professionals who need it with the education that they need to talk to people around them. Well, thank you so much for starting this movement. It is just so incredibly meaningful. We're so grateful to you. Parents can go to culturereframed.org. We have a website, culturereframed.org. And then on that website, you can click on Parents of Tweens program. In February, a bit later on, you'll be able to pick up Parents of Teens program. We really give you the information that will make you feel more confident about having those conversations before you even start the conversation. Thank you so much, Dr. Gail Dines. We really appreciate you. And thank you for inviting me as your guest. Now, hopefully parents out there are asking, how can we get ahead of this? How can we steer our children away from possible porn addiction? How do I start at the beginning? Well, you gotta send some age-appropriate messages. You've gotta set the table. But to really help us do that, let's get the tools from the real expert on this subject, Patty Fitzgerald, my friend and colleague. Patty is the founder of Safely Ever After and nationally recognized for her work as a child safety educator, children's author, and family coach. Admired for her down-to-earth style and practical approach, Patty's workshops and seminars give parents real solutions and strategies for protecting their families. She also teaches our kiddos. I was lucky enough to have her teach my boys when they were only in preschool. Okay, Patty, so you wrote two books. The first, No Trespassing, This Is My Body, and you followed it with Super Duper Safety School. Right. Thank you for being here. Mm, You're welcome. Thanks for having me. So excited. So you know what? You really are the person who sets the table for this. I mean, we talked to Gail, and Gail gave us all this information about tweens and teens, Mm. and you do this as well, but you really focus on these toddlers. Um, Tell us— why did you write these books? Why did you feel the need to write these books? Well, for a couple of reasons. Um, the first is nobody was ever talking about it when I was a kid. And so I grew up with a much different idea about what personal safety meant and boundaries. And and it was all about stranger danger. And no one ever taught me to be careful around what I call Uncle Creepy and Cousin Yucky and, you know, those people who have infiltrated your family circle. So um, when my daughter Marissa was born, that's when I said, there's got to be a better way. So I took my background as a Montessori preschool teacher yeah, and as an educator, and I started writing curriculum. And it just, it's, it just turns it all around and puts the focus where it should be, on ownership of our bodies and permission to, to say no, stop, to just set up personal boundaries starting from when you're a little kid. And that's what's interesting. This is age-appropriate for very young kids. We're talking two, three-year-olds. Yeah. You can't expect a two-year-old to really get the strategies and execute them, but you can start introducing this language 
right away. As soon as your kids are born, you start using the words penis and vagina, the anatomically correct words. You start saying things as you're cleaning them that, you know, mom or dad is allowed to clean. This is your vagina. It's your private part. You're the boss of your body. Um, you just start introducing certain buzz phrases and, and um, ideas like that. So then it just becomes a normal part of your family dialogue. And so it's not really a scary thing or a no. silly thing. So talk about why you're normalizing this so early on. Because if we don't, then kids, if we don't normalize it, kids grow up and they start making their own assumptions when they are in elementary and middle school. So if we don't talk about this at an early age, by the time they hit the most vulnerable age range, as I'm sure Gail was talking about, that's those tweens and teens, that middle school year. If we don't start talking about it now when the kids are little, then by the time they hit the most vulnerable age for porn addiction and, and um, sexual abuse, childhood sexual abuse, they don't even know what's okay and not okay. They don't know what's appropriate and inappropriate. There's already this feeling of shame because no one's brought it up till, you know, they were 12 years old and by then it's too late. So that's why Safely Ever After said, let's start with the kiddos. Yeah. And so talk a little bit about boundaries. If there's like a mom here or dad here listening in right now, what would you talk to them about boundaries for very young kids? Well, I would, there's a couple of things that I think are really important. The first thing is to teach our kids they're the boss of their bodies. I love that. Yeah, I love that too. My daughter's 22. I'm still reminding her. Okay. Oh okay. my God. Yes. She went to Coachella this year. The first thing <laughs> when she bought the ticket, you're the boss of your body, Marissa. Okay. Um, okay. So I like that phrase because it's like an ad slogan that gets stuck in your head. Boss of my body. So I think kids have to learn they're the boss of it, which means you own it and you have permission. That's another big word. You have permission to say, stop touching me, even to grownups that you know. So that they know, they can say, stop touching me, even to a, a tickle or a squeeze. Um, I think it's important that parents also talk to their kids about... Um, private parts being private and that nobody should trick them into a, a private parts game. And so all of the the language and the lessons are, are meant to be kid-friendly and um, start to get the idea across about what boundaries are. And a big one is don't force your kid to hug and kiss every smelly relative at Thanksgiving. Yeah, you say that a lot. Oh, Why not? It's family. I Come know. On. And, you know, being Italian, it's kiss your mother, <laughs> kiss your father, kiss your grandmother, kiss, your, okay. kiss everybody. Okay. Um, but here's why. First of all, if you're teaching your kid that they own their bodies, and then you start telling them kiss and hug everybody, you're just erasing and confusing your kid. You're erasing what you've taught and you're confusing your child. And so boss of my body becomes meaningless. But more importantly, child predators, 90% of them are people we know. About 35% are within the family. That's why I talk about cousin yucky and uncle creepy. They watch your parenting style. If you force your kid to hug and kiss every relative, even when your kid doesn't want to, 
What Uncle Creepy notices is that this is a kid who doesn't have permission to say no to hugs, kisses, tickles, or any other kind of touch. And that's a kid that they will pick out because it's a vulnerable target. Okay. So then what do you say to a parent who might be apprehensive saying, well, I don't want my kid to come across as if they are (laughs) rude or I'm not teaching my child to be respectful of adults. Yeah, I get that all the time. And and I had to deal with that myself because, you know, I'm a mom and I want my kid to come off as as a horror. So, um, but what I tell parents is instead of telling them, kiss your grandmother, kiss your grandfather, kiss your aunt, kiss your uncle, what they should do is ask your child how they want to express affection or hellos and goodbyes. So instead of saying, kiss your grandmother, my dialogue, the script that I give parents, we're getting ready to go. How do you want to say goodbye to grandma? You can give her a high five, a hug, a kiss, a fist bump, or just use your words. Use your words. Use your words. And then when grandma says, oh, guilt, 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 she won't hug me, I feel so bad. Well, I use a little reverse psychology on my parents. Um, I used to say, Mom, we're working really hard trying to teach Marissa that she's the boss of her body so that she's safe with other people. I could really use your help teaching her the same thing. So then all of a sudden, my mother doesn't take it personally, and she feels like she's part of this important job of raising Marissa safely in the world. And and so it becomes, you know, more of a joint collaboration instead of, you know, you did it wrong, Mom. I'm a better parent than you are. And, and you get into that that sort of argument back and forth. So. I love it. I love it. Talk about super-duper safety school, because that's now in— the school, how are you going to deal with other kids? Well, Super Duper Safety School was written based on my children's curriculum, on my children's workshop. And it takes my Super 10 safety rules for kids and it breaks them down in kid-friendly language, one page at a time. So there's a, a page about I'm the boss of my body and explains what that is. It talks about the no secrets rule and and what that is. But it's all in very kid-friendly language. So uh, if you can't come to a workshop and you read Super Duper Safety School to your kid, you're getting getting the same lesson. And some parents just use it as their own script because they don't know what to say to their kid. So I just say, buy the book, read the words, then say that to your kid. And what and you are meeting with so many kids all the time. And yeah. what are kids what are kids saying to you once they've heard what you've had to say? Oh, I love meeting. I, that's my favorite thing is doing my kids' workshops. They first of all, they all love yelling. Boss my body. So we <laughs> jump around and we yell that a lot. Kids really like that. But they also like um some of the the other movements I teach them. And then they just start doing it in, in when class is over or later on. If I'm talking to their parents, they'll come up and put a stop sign hand in front of me and go, don't touch my body. Because um, that's what I teach them. So, you know, I teach them stop, go tell. And we put a stop sign hand out and we make walking fingers and we and we do a talking sign with our hands so that 
they're the gestures that go with the rules kind of match, and that's how they remember them, and they have fun. And so parents, what are parents telling you? Do they feel like this is really the foundation for for getting them to the point where they are able to manage their body and feel confident in moving into these later years, yeah. these tween years, these teen years? Yeah, I've had clients— not unlike you, who I taught uh, their children when they were four and five years old, and now they're grown and they are far more confident. Um, parents say they were able to have these really good conversations as they were growing up, and they felt that their kids were more communicative and um, less less vulnerable and less likely led um, by somebody who's even a friend who seemed a little risky or or a boundary pusher. I've had parents actually call me and say, after we took your lesson, you know, my son told me about an inappropriate secret the babysitter tried to keep. Um, so parents call me a lot and say, I'm so glad I did this because it worked and it opened the door and it just made communication easier. Like I said, even with my daughter who's 22, it just, this whole philosophy just made raising her easier. It's your language. It's your language. Um, what is stop, go, tell exactly? Oh, stop, go, tell is how we teach our kids boundaries. Um, and it's one of the safety rules that kids have permission to say, stop touching my body or in plain English, stop touching my penis or stop touching my vagina. And then go tell your safe grown up which is usually your parents. So stop, go, tell is um, the three steps that every kid learns. And we learn the words, but we also learn physical gestures to teach the kids how to, how to remember it. A stop sign hand, walking fingers demonstrate walking or going. And then I do the tell sign, which is like a talking hand. And we put it together and we do stop, go, tell, stop, go, tell. So this is really the age-appropriate curriculum for kids, the foundation to keep them away from porn as tweens or teens. Well, yeah, I mean, I can't guarantee it's going to keep them away from porn, but it's certainly going to um, teach your kid about respect for their body, respect for other people's bodies, it's going to teach them about uh, uh, boundaries and that it, it even, you know, it covers consent. I mean, at a young age, we're talking okay. about other people are the boss of their bodies. And sometimes you might have to ask if you want to hug somebody or if somebody doesn't want you to hug them or kiss them or tickle them or even hold their hand, even if it's your friend. If they say no or stop, no means no. So even at that young age, we're getting that idea of consent in there. And, um, you know, it just, it becomes the basis for the same types of conversations later on. That's great, Patty. Yeah, Thank thanks. you so much. Is there anything that we haven't talked about that you think parents need to know? Well, I mean, I hate to be a Debbie Downer, but... Um, I think it's important that parents realize all that stranger danger is not enough and that statistically 90% of sexual abuse happens to kids by someone they know. 
And that's why this is important, because not only are we trying to normalize and take the shame out of out of bodies and, and all of that, but what, what we're really trying to do, at least Safely Ever After's mission, is to keep kids safe from childhood sexual abuse. And parents, it's our job to teach kids how to not be a target. And that's what this does. Thank you so much, Patty, for being with us. Patty's work is now international. Yeah. Tell parents where they can find you. You can find me at safelyeverafter.com. Uh, that's my website. You can call me or email me. All my contact information is up there. There's some videos up there that you can um, watch me teaching parent seminars and kids seminars. You can get ideas and you can buy my books on Amazon. You're awesome. You I so love you. you. Thank you so Aww. much for being on Kids Under Construction. Thank you. I'm so happy. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. So that wraps things up for this episode. Such important and extremely beneficial information. Thank you to my guests, Dr. Gail Dines and Patty Fitzgerald. I really hope this podcast has shed a light on what we're up against as parents right now. I don't want you to be scared. Heck, I don't want to be scared. But this is part of parenting today. So here's where the communication tool comes in. You have the knowledge our kids are not bad. They are being exposed to porn content unlike ever before. And it's not their fault. So talk to your kids. Communicate. Be there. Don't judge. Listen. If it's one thing I've learned from being a journalist, you have to listen. Don't assume. You've got this. Educate yourself and stay connected to what's happening in your kids' world. Thanks for listening and look out for our bonus episode where we read the script on talking with your kids about porn. That's all for now. Hope to have you back for the next Kids Under Construction. And don't forget to download and subscribe. Thanks so much for listening. See you later.